welcome back. Thanks for joining us here at CBE Denver's podcast, Mutuality Minded. My name is Liz Patton, and me and my friend and fellow intern, Abby Hopkins, are your new podcast hosts. We are both Denver Seminary students and soon to be Densum grads. I have just completed my Master of Divinity, specialized in chaplaincy, and praise the Lord for that. Abby is about to finish her MDiv with a focus on cultural engagement. We are both passionate about Jesus and the equipping of men and women to become all that God has intended for them to be. We're so excited to continue bringing you more stimulating conversations around the topic of biblical mutuality. As always, we here at CBE Denver seek to advance the gospel by equipping Christians to use their God-given talents in leadership and service, regardless of their gender, ethnicity, or class. This podcast is another way to discuss the biblical basis for equality through the inerrant word of God and to encourage one another to develop leadership skills and spiritual gifts for the purpose of building up the body of Christ. In this episode, we'll be engaging in a conversation about mutuality, specifically in the areas of ministry discernment, marriage, and education. Joining us are Emily and Chase Worth. Emily is a student at Denver Seminary pursuing an MDiv while on staff at Wellspring Church. And Chase is also a student at Denver Seminary in the counseling program, currently finishing up his internship. Together, Chase and Emily have collective wisdom on their own journeys, engaging in mutuality both separately and together and in their spheres of influence. Welcome, both of you. Thank you. Hello. Thanks for having us. Hey. It's good to be here. <laughs> We're so grateful and thrilled that you're here with us. But let's just go ahead and dive right in. Um, I would love to hear a little bit about both of your journeys with mutuality um, before you met. So, Chase, do you want to go first? Uh, yeah, sure. So, my journey specifically, it, it's a little interesting in particular in that um, I grew up without a father in the home. And so, like, it was just my mother. And so... I think the idea of gender roles in general always felt very uh, off topic for me. It, it was something because my, my mom fulfilled all of the roles and um, specifically in uh, spirituality and talking about Christian theology, it was it was always this thing of she fulfilled both mom, dad, um, all these different things. And so I think for me, uh, from that foundation and also being Native American, um, it was always a more women empowered uh, family systems, but also in that just equal functions. And so I think that that's kind of my foundation uh, from my childhood. But also pretty early on, it was funny. I was I was surrounded by a lot of different sects of Christianity that uh, was voicing that the male had to be the leader. I had to lead. And I, mm-hmm. I never connected with that. I never felt that responsibility, especially when you come home. And you hear that, and then you see your mom working a full-time job, raising, you know, three kids by herself. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that's kind of a, a short pitch of my my early journey. And um, really, uh, throughout college and church, before Emily and I met, I, I came to my own conclusions through theological education as well as, like I said, being a part of churches, that I really felt like marriage and just um, men and women working together in the context of ministry really was kind of this mutual submission to one another and utilizing each other's gifts. And it was obvious that certain women um, were gifted, more gifted than me and other men in certain areas. And um, men were gifted in other areas that maybe didn't look like the Euro-American ethic, but still was very obviously gifted by God. So that's just a bit of my journey before we met. 
Thank you so much for sharing so openly. I mean, what an incredible story of just how you've gotten to where you are today. And I know Emily and man, I just, yeah, you're both so lucky to have each other. So thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. really appreciate that. Emily, would you mind sharing a little bit about your journey with mutuality? Yeah, of course. Um, I think I grew up in like two very different environments um, at the same time. So the school that I went to was very complementarian, reformed. Um, and then the church that I went to was very egalitarian. And so I grew up seeing both all the time. Um, and I remember that being really confusing um, because I was like, I, which is it? Um, like this works really, really well. And I get to see this every Sunday when I show up and um, women that are in leadership and men that are right there with them and, and doing all of the good things. Um, and that felt so starkly contrasted with showing up at school and being like, oh, but you don't see the same things. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I also felt called to ministry from a really young age. And that was something that because I saw it in my church, it didn't feel like an immediate question of, am I allowed to do this? Mm-hmm. Um, because it was already happening and I had already been put in positions to be able to do that. And so um, it really wasn't something until until I got a little bit older that I was like, oh, this is something that people challenge. And uh, so I came into college, I think, really questioning, can I do this? What are my gifts? What are my abilities? And where are the places that I can do this? And um, what does it look like to have a healthy life, work, ministry balance? And where's my place? What is my role? Um, Came in asking a lot of those questions and honestly with a lot of uh, self-doubt. Um, and Chase was actually the first person that like actually encouraged me to go to seminary. It was mm-hmm. always something that I was like, hmm, this is on the back burner. Maybe I'll think about it. We'll see. <laughs> and when Chase and I met, I think before we even like actually started dating, he was like, oh, so you're going to seminary, right? Like you're, it was just assumed. Um, and that <laughs> was so encouraging. And I was, that was the first time that I think I was like, oh, I can actually do this. Um, and there are people in my corner that love and support me and empower me to do what God has created me to do. Wow. I mean, it sounds like in both of y'all's stories, there's this really present theme of strong women in your lives, be it mothers or mentors or pastors. And man, praise God for that. Um, Emily, I'm just wondering, where did your stories intersect? Would you mind sharing that with us? Because I, I mean, I'm hearing these two stories, but I got to know, like, when did this actually intersect? Like, how did we meet? Yeah, how'd you meet? (laughs) (laughs) It's not something that I'm necessarily proud of. (laughs) Oh? (laughs) Well, we did the traditional Christian college thing. We met uh, my second year of college, Chase's third year, just through a mutual friend. uh, And then did the typical, we dated for a year, got engaged, got married, uh, all within two years or so. So that's our story. But as soon as we met, we just immediately clicked um, and conversation was supernatural and easy and and exciting. Well, it sounds like, Chase, I mean, whenever y'all met, you were a huge piece of encouraging Emily and like reaffirming this call that she already had um, and supporting her. So it just seems like with both of y'all being at Denver Seminary now, um, yeah, you've been able to be these mutual support pieces for each other. So how beautiful is that? Yeah. I'm also wondering, Emily, so you lead the Women Seminarians group. Mm-hmm. Would you mind sharing a bit about your passion for that group and also how that all came about? Yeah, so uh, I've been leading the Women Seminarians group on campus at Denver Seminary, and that has been a really sweet place uh, 
to to feel and to know that women on campus um, are not just allowed in the room, but have a valuable voice in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was not something that I fully experienced in my undergraduate experience. Um, and so being able to have that in seminary, even when I was just looking at seminaries, that was something that was super important to me moving into this next stage of life uh, as I continued to discern what ministry would look like for me. And so uh, being able to create a space for women on campus to have the freedom to say, I think God has called me to ministry. And I think that God has called me to be a pastor or to do whatever the range of things that we are called to do is, um, that became really important to me. And so it's been sweet to be able to create create that space uh, where women can know each other and can have the space and the freedom to to figure out where God has called us to be and and who he has created us to be. Um, I think that space is super valuable and one that often is in the classroom, but sometimes we need a little extra space and just friendship um, as well. Well, it seems like you've gone from a place in your story where you've had different phases where people really supported and affirmed your call when you were younger, and then later on having those questions, like you said, in college. So now being in a position where you get to help other women grapple with those same questions, wherever they might be, it's just an incredible redeeming moment. I just love that. How full circle. Um, And I'm also just thinking, I mean, all of this comes from the foundation of y'all both having a deep support for one another in your own marriage. Chase, could you speak a little bit to just how both of your support and working in ministry, going through education in your marriage has been? Yeah, so um, it's interesting because we, we are very uh, mutual and uh, approach mutuality very intentionally, mm-hmm. but our kind of inherent personality types uh, are a little bit more traditional. And so <laughs> gotcha. um, I'm a little bit more, I make my decisions and then communicate. And then um, <laughs> Emily's a little bit more like, well, what would you like to do? And so um, it, it is these things in our marriage have really looked like Yes, we believe these cognitively. Um, I'm going to sound like a therapist sometimes today. <laughs> no, but please do. We, Use we your con- strengths. Yeah. <laughs> we, we cognitively know these things, but actually applying them are going to be very intentional acts with each other. And so um, something that I did, and this is not to toot my own horn at all. No, please uh, do. Because this is your moment. It, it, was, it, was, <laughs> it was fairly difficult was, you know, when we got engaged, I was like, we we were wanting to find a church to really plant our roots. And um, and so something that I was like, hey, this is something that, like, I've told you that I support you in ministry and that um, am, you know, for equality, but I'm, I want you to choose where we go to church um, because that's something that I'd heard so many examples of uh, different couples where the woman was submitting and one of the choices that they submitted was the choice for church or the choice for school or small things like that, that end up having a lot of repercussions actually. And so that was something, um, I intentionally, I was like, Hey, I want you to see that I'm going to live this out with Mm -hmm. you. And so there was that, but also in us being at Denver seminary of, I decided fairly late in my undergraduate career to become a therapist, Mm -hmm. but I was looking at a lot of different options and uh, Emily Emily made it really clear Denson was where she wanted to be. And she made it clear there's not a lot of places that are going to support women in an MDiv program. 
and them being pastors. And that that really showed me the privilege that I had that I wasn't I wasn't having to consider are they going to support me being what I want because to me that just makes sense that they would and so I really was like you know I, I they have a great program and if that's really where you feel called if that's where you want to be then I'm absolutely happy to support you in that and to go to school together and um, to be doing this alongside each other but yeah I in our marriage though it looks a lot less practical in the everyday. And I think it's a journey. And um, that sounds really cliche, but it really is of learning each day that um, kind of those pressures from more male dominated faith spaces that have permeated the United States so much, um, breaking away from them is really difficult at times. And I think um, even apart from that, in my own journey, it was kind of taught and I won't speak for you, but it was kind of taught that like your spouse's spirituality, your spouse's emotions are yours to hold. And I would say that that's not full equality. And, you know, even talking about this idea of mutuality, but also that's not a healthy model of relationship that God gives us. And so I think that's a lot of what our marriages looked like is asking, how do we, how are we interdependent together? How are we chase and Emily separate, then how are we chasing Emily together Mm -hmm. as a couple? And it's going to look really different at a lot of different times and uncomfortable a lot of times. And most of the time there's not resolution, but just more um, figuring out how to approach things together in the midst of that. So, yeah, I mean, it sounds like a lot of what you're sharing connects with what you first shared in your story of that mutual submission that you wanted to see so much and saw in some ways and then are able to now I don't know, bring into your own marriage. So that's just really beautiful. And I think without meaning to you, you gave such a great example of that, even with your admission and choosing which programs to go to. As you have gone through, now what year are y'all both in your programs? Uh, I'm in year three and hopefully the last year. Fingers crossed. Incredible. (laughs) Same for me. (laughs) Well, yeah, with being that far in, I mean, do you have any other examples of what maybe that mutual submission piece has looked like? And that's for either of y'all, if you have any examples. I mean, I think what came to my mind as Chase was talking was something that um, a mentor said to us during our premarital counseling, which was, you know, you guys are going to do your own things. You both have your own individual callings on your lives, and and you're going to do those things. Um, what what in the kingdom of God is going to be better because you are together? Um, and that question, I think, has just consistently stuck with me that you know, we both are individuals, we both have our own callings, and God has gifted us in very different ways. And that's a beautiful thing that we get to share in together and come alongside one another. Um, and so as as Chase has figured out who he wants to be as a therapist and, and what that looks like and what healthy rhythms uh, for work and life look like and what's sustainable for us, um, and even I think as I have approached closer and closer to graduation um, and figuring out what what this next year of life looks like and where I will be career-wise once I graduate. We've had a lot of conversations about what does church look like for us right now and what does our own individual spirituality look like? How do we practice our faith in a, in a way that is healthy and takes care of each of us as individuals? And how do we hold that space for each other. Um, I think that's something that we still are 
we're still learning and still figuring out and we're in school and so we're consistently saturated by lots of conversations um, sure. and so I think we've had to really just create space for each other and um, and create space together to continue to have those conversations and um, I feel like too one of the biggest conversations we've had while we've been in seminary is what does support actually look like for each other mm-hmm. um, and we realized through trial and error and through a lot of conflict that we have very different definitions of what it means to support one another and how that actually plays out. And so that's a, a continual conversation that we've had is what is the support that you actually need and what are the things that actually make you feel supported and not just, this is what Emily thinks Chase needs to feel supported right now, mm-hmm. um, but learning to communicate that. So, Man, what an informed way to look at caring for one another. I can tell that I'm talking to someone with an MDiv and stuff. I'm just feeling it. I love it. Um, gosh, I mean, there's just so many wonderful things to pull from that. But um, yeah, thank you just so much for sharing openly. Yeah. It seems to me like you're in a really unique space right now because a lot of times for people who pursue theological education, the beginning is entirely education focused. And then somewhere along the way, an internship will come around or a job will come around. And it seems like you're in that in-between period where you're not quite finished with the program yet, but you're already starting to do the work that God has called of you. Um, So what an interesting time to be in, right? I mean, I'll probably, unless I guess we pursue more education, maybe this will be the only time it's quite like this. We'll see. Yeah. (laughs) For anyone who might be listening who's in in that space, do you have any advice or wisdom? I think... So when I first started seminary, I had already had ministry experience um, when I was in high school and then early in college, but came into seminary working um, a different non-ministry job. Uh, And an opportunity came to me, uh, I think my first or second semester of seminary um, to work in in the position that I'm currently in at Wellspring. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that was something that was a game changer in my seminary experience because I went from working a non-ministry job where I just worked and just did school. Um, And once I started working in ministry, it was like this light bulb came on that everything that I was learning in the classroom was building towards me working in ministry. And I was currently working in ministry and getting to apply those things Mm -hmm. um, and getting to think through okay, maybe we're talking about some super heady theological concept in class. How do I communicate that to middle schoolers? Um, What impact does this have for me personally? And then how does this form me into a better pastor, a better better caretaker of the students that I'm working with? Um, And so I think just that practical experience has formed my seminary education uh, and enhanced it in ways that that probably wouldn't have existed if I just sat in a classroom, mm-hmm. uh, and that was just head knowledge. Um, but allowing that to really be head, heart, and hands um, has made seminary more real and made it worth it even. Yeah, I think for me, um, my grandmother, take, take this as you will, she, uh, <laughs> one of her quotes that she regularly says is, there's two things that people can't take away from you, your salvation and your education. And so um, I think education has always been uh, ingrained in me. Like you look at my family, it's a 
it's a value for sure. And so I think a lot of my advice is more of what I've done wrong and learned from um, in that I think, I think learning is, it's very spiritual and it, it opens your mind and your heart and your soul to something beyond yourself and connects you with others as well. And grad school can be the antithesis of a good mental health. <laughs> and so, Coming from amen. a therapist. <laughs> well, I soon to be therapist. Yeah. Um, so I think something that I wish that I would have done was just check in with myself before I started grad school and really be honest about what my capacity was. Um, I do, I plan to do doctoral work cause I want to be a professor, but Ooh. that's something that, you know, I'm, I'm approaching very cautiously because mm-hmm. I think during this time we, we've been able to thrive in certain moments, but it's more like putting out fires and then figuring out what brings life in the midst of that mm-hmm. rather than really being able to approach it wisely. And so I think that's something is just checking with yourself before in the midst, after processing um, throughout it, um, how is this affecting you? Because yes, it's a degree and yes, you want to get it over with because grad school is anything but cheap, but really value the education part, value the spiritual part, whether it's a spiritual degree or not, because it is opening, like I said, your heart, your mind, your soul, everything, um, to more. And so that's just a bit of my advice, um, from somebody that, finds way too much identity in their grades. Like, <laughs> let, let it go. Uh-oh, don't look at Abby. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, hey now. I'm a hypocrite when it, when it comes to this stuff. So, like, mm-hmm. really would challenge people to not find identity in that. Mm-hmm. But um, some an ethos at Denver Seminaries give your reasonable best. And so, um, you know, for me, in undergrad, I never asked for an extension. And I think I've asked for, like, five in the past year now. <laughs> And it's, yeah, like (laughs) that is growth for me. (laughs) And so, um, that's, that's just some of my advice for people listening. Absolutely. Abby. Yeah. I just want to, uh, jump in here because both of you answered the question to your strengths and your fields. And I just found that so beautiful to listen to the two of you talk like Emily yours was this spiritual formation that you've been able to experience and how, seminary and your ministry experience has formed you as a holistic spiritual being and like head, heart, hands, all of that. And then chase this mental health aspect of it. And what does it look like to be in grad school and to also be a human and take care of yourself? And so I just want to say that that was really encouraging for me to hear because I think both of you offered something that allows people, me in grad school or people listening who are potentially thinking about it, the opportunity to be like, man, this is something that can form me as a whole human being. It doesn't have to just be spiritual. It doesn't have to just be emotional and mental, but all of that combined to form us into who God's created us to be. So I just want to thank y'all for that. And this is on the topic. Something that you sort of hinted at was this retroactive learning, like learning after the fact and looking back rather than through the process. Um, I know that you've shared a bit about your own journey with mutuality and growing up, but if you, I mean, for those who are listening, who are men who are on their own journeys with mutuality, Chase, do you have any advice for how to go through that process in an integrated way? Yeah, I think first and foremost, um, have grace for yourself. Approach it with humility Mm -hmm. and be willing to acknowledge how you may have harmed others or yourself. 
in the past. Um, I think that's something, you know, I'm, I'm in a lot of different circles. And one of those is I, I have quite a few, uh, complementarian friends and, um, fr- friends that don't necessarily hold to, um, a complete view of biblical equality. And then in those groups, some have kind of exited and, um, embraced equality, but almost at the cost of their humanity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think there's definitely, there needs to be responsibility for harm that's been caused. There needs to be responsibility taken for perpetuating harmful, um, thought processes and worldviews. And at the same time, like if we believe in an almighty, all loving, all powerful God, then God has grace for you. And, mm-hmm. um, I think too, in that just seeking opportunities to empower women, empower people of color, empower marginalized people. Um, because this idea of mutuality, I think, yes, is in, in the relationship in the church, but it's, it's far reaching. And so, I, yeah, I think, I think that's some of my advice is as you look inward, really approach with grace and humility for yourself. And in that, um, look outward as well of how you can, you have a privilege in the society that you're in. And so utilize it for good. Um, it's not necessarily inherently bad that you have this privilege, but what you do with that privilege is, um, kind of what dictates your impact on it. Mm. Right. Like for men listening in this, in this podcast, I mean, they have a unique opportunity to be able to lift up the women in their areas of influence, um, and to be able to use the privilege that they do have. I mean, to be able to, yeah, benefit the kingdom of God. It's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, also now going on to a little bit back to the marriage topic. (laughs) Um, do y'all see like any specific opportunities or challenges being married and being in two very different areas of ministry? Cause I would even consider the counseling field definitely be ministry, although it is outside the church. Yeah. Sorry. I was thinking, um, (laughs) I mean, I think, I think I said this a little bit earlier, but this is an ongoing journey and probably will be for the rest of our lives. Um, I think what we're learning right now, and hopefully this will answer your question, um, in mutuality and how to do this is, um, it's unique working in ministry because, or working specifically in ministry inside of a church because it's also where you attend church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that has just been something that we've been talking a lot about, you know, where is our sense of belonging as, as a couple together? What does that look like to attend church together and to be pastored by a community and cared for, um, to have that sense of belonging? And also, I feel called to work inside of a church. Um, and so what does it look like that I might not necessarily be working in a church, um, you know, once I graduate that we both love being in and how do we, how do we still remain invested in that space, um, and find people that care about us and will pastor us and care for us. Um, and so these are a lot of the conversations that we've been having just as we move into this next season of, at least transition out of school um, and figuring out what what jobs look like. Um, But I will just like throw in here too, it's been so exciting getting to see Chase become a therapist. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and that I get to do a job that I love because I think we both are doing things that we are uniquely gifted for and that we both love doing and that I would say we're created to do. Um, and that is so exciting to get to see your partner thrive in the thing that they love doing. Um, like that is just so exciting and just brings brings so much joy and so much energy to all of life. Mm. Yeah, that's a good word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think for me specifically, um, a lot of the integration of our ministries, so to say, uh, it's a lot of sharp edges specifically because of me. And um, I'm fairly outspoken in a lot of things and challenge a lot of things. And um, a lot of, you know, as we talk about mutuality and all this, it's less of what I'm willing to say and more of what I'm not saying and how I'm wording things and how I'm approaching things and being able to recognize um, that in the midst of it. And so, you know, a lot of people see... Um, church ministry specifically in the mental health world as kind of at odds with one another. Mm -hmm. And um, I would say certain sects of both would be at odds with one another. Um, I think certain Christians would think I'm a heathen. And so, um, <laughs> but yeah, a lot, a lot of spirituality specifically, both Christian and non-Christian intersects with my world a lot mm -hmm. because it, it really, a lot of people, especially post COVID are asking how how do I interact with um, the world? Is there anything bigger than myself? And they're desperately seeking this. And so I think for me, that that's the world that I'm in and really looking at how do we approach God? How do we approach the divine in um, the mundane? And how we talk about God really impacts uh, different perceptions and different processes within our mind and body. And so in that, sometimes um, the church is not great at considering how uh, we word things. And so coming into that from my view and my experiences, um, I notice certain things. And that's not to say I'm high and mighty by any means, but I just notice things. And so I think a lot in our own journey together and our ministries intersecting, for me, when I notice things, um, I'm having to ask, okay, if I bring this up, why am I bringing this up? Mm -hmm. Am I bringing it up because I truly care and I think it betters Emily and I think it betters her ministry and am I participating alongside of her or is it me acting out defensively? Mm -hmm. Is it me acting out of my own wounds and my own past that hasn't been fully healed? And so um, I don't say that in like I figured out a perfect formula because <laughs> I would say... Who has? Yeah, 77% yeah. of the time it's not... I think it's helpful and it's not. That's and so, um, <laughs> really, really, yeah, figuring out how those intersect and then how those are different. Mm -hmm. And um, I think welcoming Emily to challenge me and then also challenging her and church institutions where they need to be and also just being able to rest alongside each other um, mm -hmm. when necessary. So. Absolutely. I mean, this is a little bit of a personal anecdote, but my husband and I have both been in grad school. My being in seminary has been in medical research. And we kind of joke that I'm getting a, a supplemental in his degree and he's getting a supplemental in my degree. And I just think when I hear you both share, I see how you've both 
like this iron sharpening iron imagery comes to my mind where you're both able to learn a bit from each other's different fields. Chase with yours being outside the church, being able to reach people and Emily yours being within. And I just think that's really beautiful. Um, I was just wanting to know, I mean, are there any other things that you would like to share on the topic of mutuality as we're wrapping up? Yeah, Yeah, I'll go. Um, (laughs) I think I can't emphasize enough uh, two two different things. I think one, really looking at mutuality, whether you're within this circle or not, really looking at why why is this coming up for you? Um, Looking at why uh, why your relationships are the way they are, and. Um, this is is the therapist in me, of (laughs) looking at those early relationships and um, kind of your default. Um, Mm. Because I think that because of disorder in the world and disorder in relationships, um, our default is not mutuality. And it takes intentionality in that. Of we, I think we default to either putting ourselves over a person um, or under them, or just disconnecting from them. Mm-hmm. And so um, this topic is ongoing and intentional, and I think that's why the world is not a completely <laughs> uh, equal place. And so uh, continue to assess that, because even as we've talked, um, you know, this is something that Emily and I know, but practicing is a lot harder. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot of things that come up specifically because of my past that it's like in small decisions I'm like well I don't want to waver and I there's not much mutuality in that and so (laughs) being able to really really assess you know why are my relationships the way they are and how can I find healing within myself and then supplement that with healing with um, connecting with others and connecting with God or the divine or something bigger than us and then the second thing is uh, advocation I think there's definitely a time once when you approach these things, whether you were born into a culture that in, encourages mutuality or not, um, much of the West and much of the world really does kind of emphasize or subliminally engage with patriarchal tenets and a lot of lording over. And so wherever you have privilege, utilize that, empower others, um, I'm sounding like I'm doing a speech in front of a bunch of people, but like um, really dig deep within yourself. Once once you've gone through that healing journey and even in the midst of it, really try to empower others um, and encourage this idea of mutuality, both in marriage and relationships, but throughout the margins of society. Cause I think um, throughout, throughout the Bible, God makes it clear through uh, God's own words, but also the um, the prophets, through Jesus, through the different epistles, that Christians specifically are challenged with uplifting the marginalized, with uplifting um, those who are um, downcast. And so I think that that is an, an inherent message, an inherent tenet of being uh, a Christian. And I'll just add to I think there's such a huge difference between operating out of a mindset of scarcity versus a mindset of abundance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when it comes to mutuality, a lot of times our 
our default response, if you will, is that there's not enough space for everybody um, or that we have to fight to have our voice heard or um, almost have this competitive spirit. And I think if we truly believe that God has created each and every one of us in his image and that all of us are fearfully and wonderfully made, I mean, even if we look at the list of spiritual gifts that Paul gives us, there's room for everybody. Um, there's room for all of us to exercise our gifts and to to be the people that God has created us to be. Um, and I think that is such an important tenet of mutuality is to be able to identify the good things that we see in our fellow human beings and to encourage and uplift them and to mm-hmm to then create spaces where where they can do that and where they can thrive. Um, and we will all continue to thrive when the people around us are thriving too. Um, and so I think that is, that's, that's my concluding thought. And now I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs> Man, I cannot think of a better way to wrap this up. I just thank you so much for your openness, for your wisdom. All of the things the Lord has led you through clearly has built you into who you are today and has given you so much to share. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having us. It's an honor. For those of y'all who are listening, thank you so much for being with us today at the CBE Denver Mutuality Minded Podcast. We are looking forward to continuing this conversation further about what mutuality looks like in our next episode. If you want more information about CBE Denver or would like to engage in further dialogue about the topics we've discussed here, check out our website or at cbedenver.com. You can visit our Facebook page and Instagram page for more information as well. Wherever you may be, driving to work, hitting the gym, or having a normal life around your home, thank you for joining us, and remember to stay mutuality-minded. Until next time.